Well, it's my pleasure to get you to introduce our speaker this morning, Dan Moore, who's been at Alderwood for 22 years. Um, and we're in our Ask Me Anything series. Dan, come, go ahead and come on stage. Um, and uh, we've been going through questions that you guys submitted, anything that you wanted to ask, anything that we wanted to talk about. And one of the questions that you guys sent in was, how can I trust the Bible? How can I trust that what I'm holding in my hand is really the word of God? What, what do I know about what's in here and how we got it and why we can believe that this thing that Zondervan sold me is actually anything to do with what actually got written down however long ago? And uh, Dan knows a lot about this. He studied it a lot. He's getting his master's degree right now, actually from the same place that I am getting mine. Um, and I'm really excited for what he has. So give me your attention. It's all yours. You got one of these, and you know, this is an important book. The back, what, quarter of it is the New Testament. The New Testament's where we learn about Jesus. It's the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Somebody gives it to you. How do you know that it's good for anything, right? It's got a lot of things that it says in it, good things it says in it, but what do you know about it? And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. And, okay, we got slides. That worked. All right, so the first question is, do the origins of the New Testament matter? What are the things that we get out of this New Testament? We learn about Jesus, his birth. We learn about his early ministry and how John testified that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We learn about um, the signs, the healings that he did, the giving of sight, the creation, power that he had over the creation, the winds and the storms, his ability to raise people from the dead. It says some amazing things. This is where we learn about his teachings, where Jesus says that it is not good enough to follow the law of the Jews. The law doesn't get you right with God. And so you have to repent. Jesus, John the Baptist, they have this thing about repentance. They demand. Jesus goes further and demands that you believe in him. We have in the New Testament, Jesus' claims to divinity. There are some that will say that Jesus didn't say that he was God. Well, I say he did. I see passages like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to salvation. I am the Lamb of God, the one that has the authority to give salvation to people. I'm the bread of life. Before Moses was, I am. It wasn't I was, I am. He uses the same words that God used in the Old Testament to claim that he was God. So important stuff we have in our New Testament. We see the rejection by the Jews. We see his execution. We see his resurrection. We see his post-resurrection appearances and the witnesses that say that they saw Jesus. And then they went on to be apostles and they go out to different places and preach the name of Jesus. They went so far as to let people kill them because they believed in this Jesus. And then we see the apostles teaching. We see the church form out of not just Jews, but of Gentiles. So this isn't just a Jewish religion. We see the message go out and it's sanctioned by Jesus. It's sanctioned by the apostles that followed him. It's sanctioned by the Holy Spirit in the arrival of the Spirit on the, the Gentiles. Some will say that Jesus is just a Jewish preacher that he was around in the first century, and then some guys later liked Jesus, and they made up all these, they expanded on all these myths, they started writing down stories about Jesus, and that the New Testament that we have wasn't written by people that actually knew and lived and breathed with Jesus and were taught at his feet, but were written by people 100 years later. So, you know, if it's not really about the real Jesus that lived and died, what good is it? Some will say, um, that the New Testament is full of errors. So 2,000 years since the New Testament was written, people have to copy it. It's, you know, they're copying on these pieces of paper here. They fall apart over time. So 
you know, every 20, 30 years or more often if you're using a manuscript frequently, somebody's copying it. We have 5,000 New Testament manuscripts, and we'll get into that, but there's lots of differences between them. And so does that invalidate the content that's in the New Testament? So before you can even trust the content, you've got to have an understanding of where this New Testament came from. So the message, the, the point that we're going to talk about is, is the New Testament valid? Is it legitimate? Is it worth listening to? And I get to push the button. Okay. So we want to start with what manuscripts do we have for the New Testament? What documents do we have? And then to do that, I want to start by talking about papyrus. And so there's this plant that grew along the Nile River. It grows to about six feet tall. I'll give you a little picture of it there. That's a small one that you can have in your backyard if you want. And so they would take this papyrus, they would cut it off at the base, and they would make this paper out of it. And they would make sheets, and you could write on it. And so this one's about six foot long. This papyrus, the scroll, or this roll, is long enough to capture Paul's letter to the Ephesians and maybe his letter to Philippians. So you can get a sense for it. I've got a display stand back there with some more, and you guys can touch and feel it. And then they also had this other material. So this is made out of the plant. This, they would take an animal, kill, eat the animal, right? And then they would take the skin, flatten it out, roll it out, maybe put a little acid kind of stuff, scrape the hair off. And it makes for a good writing material. That, that uh, lower picture there is what we call vellum or parchment. And we've got parchment that looks like that. See how nicely they were able to write? This was, that one's from about 350 AD, so about 300 years after Christ. And so those are the two materials that we have with the oldest copies of the New Testament or portions of the New Testament. The early books, okay, so they have these rolls. And actually what they would do is they would take a page, you know, the page is about yay big, I was going to bring one up, kind of like our sheet of paper. And they would glue them together. This is, a, if you get it wet, it's got a kind of a sliminess to it when it's fresh. And then make these long rolls. You couldn't have a real long document. You couldn't have the whole New Testament on one of these. If you have one that's about um, three times this thick, you could get the book of the Gospel of Matthew on it. And so you can imagine, I've got a basket back there, and there's quite a few statues and pictures of these in, from the old times. They would have this basket, and they would just pull out the scroll that they wanted to read from. And so you can imagine in a New Testament church back in the day that somebody wanted to read from Ephesians. And so Paulus, Apostolus, Christu Yesu, if they wanted to read out um, from Ephesians, if they wanted to read some other book. Um, this, they were also, um, the Christians really loved this form, and you saw it in Christianity a lot more than anywhere else in the early days. They would also form, do these books, and so they would basically just take a papyrus page, fold it in half, punch some holes in it, and bind it, stiff, take a leather jacket, stick a stiff stiffener piece of papyrus in it to make it a little stiffer. This is um, actually a reproduction of something that was found uh, that was dated about 200 AD, so 150 years after Christ, a little bit more than that, that had half of the Gospel of John in it. So um, it was fairly deteriorated um, part of it, but you can imagine, okay, I gotta go on a trip, I'm going to Rome, right? And you can imagine somebody throwing the Gospel of John in their backpack for that trip. So hopefully it makes it all a little more real. So we had our, our rolls, we had our um, codexes, and I wanted to show you a picture of one of the oldest New Testament. Oh, oh, I wanted to talk about this picture. 
Up in the upper right-hand corner, there is a relief that they found um, in uh, the Middle East. And this is of a, this was from about 170 AD. It shows in the middle a teacher, not a Christian necessarily, but a teacher talking to three disciples. And you can see two of the disciples have in their hands a scroll, right? And so this was one of the jobs that disciples had was to write down these wise things that their teachers had to say. And so you can picture Jesus when he's doing the Sermon on the Mount with Matthew, tax collector, so he's literate, uh, writing down the words of Jesus. Um, so fairly common practice. And now we can move on. So this is the oldest scrap of the New Testament that we have. It's about the size of an index card, you know, not very big. Um, I'm actually showing you the front and the back there. Uh, this is an excerpt from John. And uh, so it's dated at 125, around there, A.D. So uh, Jesus lived, died around 30 A.D., right? So this was written. John wrote his gospel, you know, 50, 70 A.D., maybe a little bit later. Uh, so this was in the lifetime of somebody that maybe was born around the time that um, John wrote his gospel, so not too much longer. And zooming in a little bit, it doesn't come through in the video, but, or the screen here, but if you look down at the second line, uh, you can see the, the lettering a little better. Up at the top is the Greek uh, capital letters that they used back in the day, down at the bottom is the English. Uh, if you look at the second line of the capital letters on the right, you can see the O, the Omicron, the, the Y looking letter, the Delta, the E, N, A letters. And you can kind of make those out in, that, in the second line of the text on that papyrus sheet. Uh, and one of the things I wanted to point out on this, if you can f see the A over here, the alpha. Oh, he said there was a pointer on here. Oh, look at that, it worked. Do I get feedback for standing? This is a good speaker. Okay, so you can see the alpha there. The alphas that they made varied back in the day. And so this one, kind of a, a loopy, and then it has, this, these guys actually did this loop arrangement. There are several different ways to do alpha back in the day, and we're going to talk about it uh, in a bit more. But you have the alpha that has the straight back and then maybe a belly under it. You have the alpha, which is A, going down, and they do the loopy thing. They also have this alpha with the back and then a pointy nose or pointy belly on it. So you can look at the different writing styles, both how they did individual letters and how the overall uh, look of the page is, to compare gospel New Testament manuscripts with other manuscripts and therefore generate a date. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. This is a, a codex, so a book form. This one had all of the gospels and acts in it. It's dated from about 300 AD, um, maybe a little bit earlier. And there's about uh, a quarter of it that was actually recovered. But you can get a sense for these are the kind of manuscripts that they put together and they eventually are able to um, derive our New Testament. Uh, we have a codex of the writings of Paul and these pages are a little bit better preserved but you can see how the corners are kind of gone. Um, so they've got about three quarters of the uh, writings of Paul available and I'll show you the different passages that it covers. Uh, well one of the neat things is you can go online and look at these yourselves. You can compare different manuscripts um, th these are available through the University of Michigan. They've got uh, a, quite a selection of New Testament manuscripts online. The Gospel of Matthew, um, it's a fairly large book. We don't have a complete copy of the Gospel of Matthew until about 350 AD. And so, 
for you guys, I'll do it over here. So around 350 AD, we have two very large uh, vellum manuscripts that have all of the New Testament, almost all of the Old Testament in Greek, and a bunch of uh, several other books that they would read in church thrown in like the Shepherd of Hermas. So it's not until this time frame that we have a complete New Testament. But what we have leading up to it, and has been found mostly in the deserts of Egypt, are 20 some odd little scraps, a couple pages, uh, that one document that I show you that had all the Gospels and Acts. Um, so when you look at the full thing, and then you look at the individual pieces that we have available, you can start building confidence that the full thing represents what was available in the earlier days. And so this is the case for most of the writings in the New Testament. There's a few, uh, like 1 Peter and some of the others, that you don't have a lot of the early, early manuscripts. You don't have the uh, full copies until uh, that time frame. Uh, okay, so I want to talk about how do you date a New Testament manuscript that you find in the desert somewhere. And I talked about how the alphas are formed. Uh, the world was, or the New Testament world was pretty excited earlier this year that this new copy of a piece of the Gospel of Mark had been found. So this became, this is now dated as the earliest fragment of Mark proves that Mark was written relatively early. Um, and again, you can see the front and the back. And there's actually several different scraps. So I'm just showing you one of the scraps here. This one uh, is believed to be the bottom of a page. It's a codex because it's written on the front and the back. They didn't write on the back side of the rolls. Um, and you can see the blank portion on the bottom. So that's how they know it's at the bottom of the page. Uh, so what they'll do with these manuscripts is they'll compare the handwriting, again, the letters like the alpha or the H's and the other letters, and the style of the writing. Um, the style in English, our writing, changes over the years, right? Your parents had all this penmanship noise that none of us do. I, I had to give up my Blackberry, and it's killing me. I, I was very good with like two thumbs on my Blackberry. Now I gotta do this. Uh, anyways, my Android just... Um, so back in the day, you know, handwriting changed over the years. And for a while, they would have what we call birds on a wire. They were very meticulous about making sure that the top of each of the letters lined up and the bottoms of the letters could, you know, go down. They could be flourishes and have a little cursive to it if they wanted to. Um, and then there was an era, a time frame where, okay, we call it birds on the wire. And then they're also very attentive to the bottom line. And so the letters became much more square or blockish. There were times when the there's a letter phi in Greek, which is a O, and then a line through it. You've probably seen it on some of the Greek houses, phi. And so for a period, very circular, very upright. And the bottom of the phi would go below the lower line. And other times, very flat, kind of angular, almost a triangle um, circle in the middle, and then the, the uh, vertical line. And so you can look at all these different styles of handwriting. And what they do is they look for a manuscript that has a date on it, or you can figure out what the date is. And so in the case of this um, fragment from the Gospel of Mark, they found a version of Plato. Uh, of course, Plato was 400 BC, so a long time before Christ. So people are copying these things. And on the back, they had a, a document that they were able to date to about AD 111. And so, all right, so the back of it, you wrote on it. How long do you wait to use it before the, excuse me, the front of it they wrote on? How long do you wait until you say that, oh, that's not good for anything? 
let's write on the back for some other purpose. So five years, 10, 20, 30 years. So if we assume 25, 30 years between the time when the, the thing on the front was written and when Plato was written on the back, you can kind of date this Plato handwriting. Well, the Plato handwriting looks very much like this Mark handwriting. And likewise, they found another manuscript, uh, this guy here. And again, these are all online. You guys are welcome to look at them. Um, of Thucydides, who lived about the same time as Plato, so about 400 years BC or BCE. And uh, again, they had something on one side that they were able to date. They were able then match the handwriting on the other side. It kind of gave them a boundary for when uh, that style of handwriting was used. Um, now, they've previously dated quite a number of New Testament manuscripts, and they seem to clump them right around the end of the second century, early third century. And so the folks that publish this, uh, these fragments decided rather than tending towards these dates where they have you know, this front back thing going on, that they would say that this manuscript was available about, or written about the same time as many of the other New Testament manuscripts. But somewhere in that second century, so in the late hundreds, 200s AD or BCE as they do it now, no, BC, you guys do the, BC, the, the CE, BCE things in school now? When I grew up, okay, so it was before Christ, it was Anno Domino AD, you got the BCAD thing. Now, all the scholars say that's kind of like Christianese stuff, so now they're doing this BCE and CE, before Common Era and Common Era thing. So, I don't know which way they teach it now. But, anyway, okay, so, just I wanted to give you a sense for how one dates these scraps of paper that you find. And there was actually a, a huge find out in the deserts of Egypt. There's this city called Oxyrhynchus. That's, you know, if you follow, follow the Nile River down past um, uh, Cairo, Cairo, right? You follow the Nile River down. Uh, it used to be further west, and there was this Greco-Roman city there that was there about 600 years. And then the Nile River moved, and they abandoned the city. Well. The city had this huge dump, and they found about 500,000 pieces of papyrus out in this dump. Most of it is just common stuff, like wills and letters and records and receipts and just the ordinary stuff. Again, most of this is online now if you want to go look at them. Uh, but it has been, uh, it has proven the source for about half of the papyrus manuscripts that we have for the New Testament. This particular one was found about 1920. And so these guys at Oxford are sitting on these manuscripts and slowly publishing a couple hundred a year. They've got a long ways to go yet. Um, so there may yet be more pieces of treasure in this stash that they're working through. Okay. I want to talk about manuscript variations. Uh, I went too far. Okay, manuscript variations. Are there differences between the manuscripts? And the answer is yes. We have 5,000 uh, manuscripts dating back to the first century through the 16th century when the printing press came online, right? So I don't much care about these more recent ones, but these, well, there's about 100 of them for the first four centuries. And there are all kinds, hundreds of thousands of differences between the manuscripts. You can imagine some guy copying things out in the light of a lamp or whatever. Um, 
do, they, do the differences matter? And I would say no. And that's the scholars I read say that there's no, no difference that would change our Christian doctrine in the sense of who God is, uh, the deity of Christ, salvation by faith, you know, the, the important stuff. Um, those, the, the differences that they acknowledge where they can't figure out what the original writing was. There's no difference that matters in that sense. And actually, for those that like to uh, look into such things, they publish these uh, Greek New Testaments, and down at the bottom, they'll identify what the major differences are between the manuscripts that fed into the text that they've selected. And so you can judge for yourself uh, whether they've made a correct decision or not. Where did these errors, these differences come from? Certainly the scribes, you can imagine Okay, I'm copying, I'm copying. I got two words that are the same over the top. You can imagine your eye skipping down and dropping a line. Uh, if you're not a native Greek speaker and somebody's reading the text and you're writing it down, you can imagine if two vowels, a couple different vowels sounded the same, you'd write down the wrong vowels or miss the spelling and such. Um, so there were certainly scribal errors. There were times, uh, uh, you guys are familiar with the Byzantine Empire, so we had Rome, then Constantine, and they split the empire up, and he moved into Byzantium. Uh, very strong Christian hold. They produced a lot of manuscripts out of there. And they tended to standardize some of the readings in the, in the New Testament between the Gospels. They loved that Jesus, every time you saw Jesus, they liked to put Christ, Jesus Christ. And if you go back to your King James Bibles, you'll find far more Christs in the King James Bible than you will find in our modern Bibles because they were largely reliant on those manuscripts that were produced in Byzantium where they liked to add Christ. There were times where uh, they would add uh, phrases from one gospel to another gospel, right? You're, you're copying things and it's just familiar to you so you go ahead and add a little bit else. And so they would standardize the renderings between the gospels. Uh, there was also a family of documents produced in the West and Rome and France and such where they would add extra details to make the stories better. Um, and so I wanted to show you a couple of those. Uh, and these first couple are from this codex from about uh, 450 AD. Uh, these first couples were not, did not make it into our New Testament or in, even into the King James. So talking about Jesus' burial, talks about he placed over the tomb a stone which 20 men could barely move. It's an interesting little factoid. Or when Peter and the angel were coming up out, did I lose it? Always happens. When Peter and the angel were coming up out of prison, they talk about how many steps they went on. So, little details like that. There were a number of things that made it into the King James that we don't have in our modern Bibles now. Uh, for example, uh, at the end of Mark, I don't know if you've read through Mark and there's uh, about 16 chapters, and then at the end there's 20 verses. And most of our modern Bibles have 20 verses, but after eight verses they have this little note that says, these, these words are not in our most accurate uh, manuscripts. And so if you read through Mark, we got these three women that go to the tomb. Uh, Jesus is gone, the, the stone is rolled away. Uh, Angel says, he's not here anymore. They freak out, they run back, and it says they told no one. That, that's a lousy ending to the, the resurrection story. And we know that they told people, right? We've got the other Gospels that say that they told people. So somewhere along the way, uh, it is thought that verses 9 through 20 were added to tell the rest of the story. 
And so it has the same kind of material that you find in the other Gospels. Um, they went and told Peter and the disciples, and everybody was happy, and the word, the Gospel, went out. So we don't keep 9 through 20 as authoritative. We don't believe that they were in the original manuscripts. Likewise, there was uh, something in Luke that talks about uh, he sweated drops of blood. And so they talked about that in the King James. We don't keep that in our modern Bibles. So why don't you be familiar? So we talked about manuscripts. We talked about variations, dating. A lot of other questions we could talk to, right? About why our New Testament is valid. Uh, we could ask about, were Jesus and the disciples literate? You know, when Jesus first came on the scene, he went to the synagogue and he stood and read from Isaiah. Jesus knew how to read. So we can imagine that uh, the disciples knew how to read too. They were raised in Jewish synagogues. Uh, were they capable of writing the New Testament? Were they competent? Were they just a bunch of uh, fishermen that, you know, didn't have any education? We could talk about when the Gospels were written. Uh, we could talk about the other Christian books. So lots of other things that we could discuss to help add to why we should trust this material. So my last slide. Um, I want to assert to you, and I haven't had time to talk everything, but I want to assert that the New Testament is authentic. Uh, it was written by the apostles for our benefit, and it was apostles that were witnesses to Jesus. It wasn't written hundreds of years later by a second century followers who had this myth that they want to embellish on. Um, one of the key, I've offered a couple of things here, but uh, the Gospels um, were accepted by the early church as really representing the testimony of those disciples. There's one evidence that I'll point to. Another one is the Gospels were written by those that were familiar with um, Judea and the practices of the Jews and the, the rabbis and the um, Sadducees and all that. And likewise, there's no uh, indication in the New Testament of the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Pretty monumental event where, you know, the Jews were crushed and, and everybody was spread out. Uh, the New Testament man manuscripts have integrity. Uh, I believe that they've been adequately preserved. And I've kind of shown you how um, we figure out oldest uh, manuscripts, um, then we get these complete manuscripts. Uh, they're available. Uh, God has allowed that we would have, you know, many, many copies of the New Testament and all these manuscripts available. And you can go out and look at these online. So you can make your own assessment on what's legitimate. Bottom line, I think there is reason to uh, consider the New Testament as valid, legitimate, authoritative. And then you get the privilege of looking at what it says about how we should live our lives and what it says about God. Uh, I think my time is up, so thank you, and uh, I've got a displacement. <laughs>